0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Uh, a couple weeks ago I did the men's devotional on Sunday night and when I was trying to think of what topic I wanted to do I thought well it's just us guys it'd be a really good discussion to to look at what it means to be a Christian man and and that night, we had really good discussions, and what we spent a lot of time talking about was um, being a servant, which, as men, especially from a worldly view, it's really hard for, for the men to think of stepping down, serving, and not being, being the leader. And that's what we spent a lot of time talking about. And one of the, the best ways to serve was uh, doing work for the church. We, we do this whole thing, and... You know, me being the leader of the, the devotional, I had to say, you know, yeah, you should always say yes to opportunities. You should you should never say, oh, no, I don't want to lead songs. I don't want to do a prayer. I don't want to preach. So right when we finish up. And so when I talk, I never know how long it's going to take me. Sometimes I prepare a ton of material and I'm through it in five minutes. Other times I think it, I only have a few minutes and I run out of time. So I had all this stuff prepared for his Sunday night, and I finished up with about half a page left. Chris called me aside after and said, hey, Eli, I noticed you you still have some scriptures and some stuff to talk about. I'm going to be gone. Do you want to preach on Sunday? Now, see, that was smart, because I literally just gave a lesson about saying yes to opportunities. (laughs) And so here I am today. I couldn't tell him no, but all joking aside, I am... I'm very grateful to have this opportunity to share with you. I've, um, I've learned a lot just preparing for this, and it's, it's, a, it's a great blessing to be able to speak to you today. Going off of what, what we talked about at the Men's Devo and adding some stuff to it, today I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian, what being a Christian means to me, and then um, specifically, how do we as Christians look different than the world. But before we get into it, I do have a couple things to say. First of all, what we talk about today does not even scratch the surface of what all it means to be a Christian. I think that if, if we all spent time going through the Bible and tried to list every single thing that it means to be a Christian, we would probably all starve before we finished. We, we don't have enough time. So I only have a couple things that we're going to talk about today. And hopefully that doesn't offend anyone. Please, I apologize in advance if. I get done today, and you think, I cannot believe Eli didn't talk about this or this. I am so upset with him. There's a, there's a ton of different things, so I just picked a few things to focus on today. Secondly, um, today I'm going to be comparing Christians versus the world. And I would like to say, what I'm saying that we are as Christians is what we are called to be. I'm not saying this is what we are, because if that was the case, if someone walked in and and heard this out of context, it would sound like I'm saying Christians are perfect, we don't do anything wrong, we love each other, we never get angry, we never let our emotions get control of us, we're just perfect and the world is horrible. And that's not true. We all have struggles. And so what I'm going to talk about today is not how we are as Christians, but what we are called to be and how we should strive to be. And then lastly, um, I'm, for those who don't know, I'm a student at MSU in my senior year of engineering and I'm also a server over at Famous Dave's. Those two things keep me pretty busy, and so I don't have a lot of time to do other things. So when I give you examples and stories, they're pretty much only about famous days and school. So bear with me and don't be like, come on, this guy just talks about restaurants. Get over it. We get it. So um, that's just just so you know. Um, the, the verse that Lane just read, I'm going to reread it right now for you because it sounded like the microphone cut out a little bit. And that was Romans 12, 1 through 3, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So before we, we get into these reasons, first I want to make sure that we all know and understand why we are to be called apart from the world. Because we are, but sometimes we can forget about that. So uh, in, in Romans 12 here, we're told not to conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So right here we, we do have a commandment. We are called by God to be separate from the world, because the world is a dark place. And as Christians, it's our job to let our light shine instead of being swallowed up by that darkness. If we turn, turn over to John 17, I'll be reading John 17, 15 through 18. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I, uh, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So here we get, we get further instructions that not only are we supposed to be uh, separate from the world, different than the world, but we're not supposed to be removed from it. As Christians, one of our duties is to seek and save the lost. And if we just shut ourselves out out from that, how are we going to accomplish that? We can't. Um, I, I like to talk about comfort zones. The church is my comfort zone. When I'm here at church, I, I feel good. I feel protected. I feel safe against Satan. And it's, it's, I feel like it's pretty hard for Satan to get at us when we're all here at church together. We're surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is our, our comfort zone. This is our safe spot. But when we go out into the world, it's a lot different. It's, it's scary. We're surrounded by evil. Satan's out there looking for us. But as Christians, we still have to go out there to help those. And that's why here in John it says, My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them. So instead of going um, and, and staying away from this, this evil, this darkness, staying away from the world, we still have to go out there, but let our light shine instead. Then lastly, let's go over to John 15, 18 through 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. So not only is there darkness in the world... But if we are really shining in our lights, the world will hate us. If, if you don't feel that way, if you say, actually, you know, the world is great to me, I have no problems whatsoever with how the world is treating me. Either you, you figured out some super secret and you need to teach me that, or you're not doing things right. So just remember that when you, when you encounter, uh, the, these bad things in the world, even though it, it might not be fun. You're doing the right thing because you're serving God first and you're not following the world. So the first thing um, that, that I thought about... So when I do lessons, I like to ask myself questions and then I like to try to answer them and then my answers are what I like to share with you guys. So the first question that I had is what, what are we focused on? Or more specifically, what should we be focused on as Christians? And then what is the world focused on? So as Christians, we need to be God-centered. And the, the mentality of people that are God-centered is, how can I help others? How can I share my success? Uh, if we flip over to Mark 10, 35 through 45, that will be our next passage. Um, but the, the world is a lot different. The world is all about me. What do I get out of this? What can I accomplish? How can I succeed? So I'm going to be reading Mark 10:35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He replied. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must, first be your, uh, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage is a, is a really good example of how we as Christians should be, and it's a really good example of how the world is. Because right at the beginning, James and John come up, and they say... I want you to do whatever we ask. Now, if if I'm gonna do a favor for someone, I really like it if they tell me the favor first. Imagine if your your friend or your coworker, just anyone comes up to you and says, Okay, I need you to do something, but you have to promise that you're gonna do it no matter what. A little scary, right? I would not say yes. I'd first want to know what it was because no one likes to to commit to something without knowing what they're in for. And, and James and John, they say, we want to be at your left and your right. Now, for years, people knew that the Messiah was coming, and they fully didn't grasp the fact that he was an eternal king. He was going to come and bring them to heaven. They thought the kingdom of God was going to be a physical kingdom, that Jesus was going to, was going to come in, and since they were ruled by the Romans at this time, wipe out the Romans, and then Jesus was going to be the king, and these 12 probably thought they were going to be the officials, the, you know, the leaders of his army. And so James and John asking him, hey, we want to be at your, your left and your right, probably meant when you're sitting on the throne, on your physical throne, we want to be right there with you. Which is a, a pretty self-centered thing to ask. And, and Jesus calls him out on it. He says, that, that doesn't matter. You can't ask for this. If you want to be first, you must be last. And then... 45 is, is the kicker for me. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, te- Jeff and I teach the high school class on Sunday mornings, and I bet the high schoolers can confirm this, that pretty much any answer to any question I ask, it's either going to, like 99% of the time, it's Jesus, God, prayer, the Bible. Those are like my, my four main answers. If Anytime I ask a question, if one of them answers one of those, it's, it's usually the right answer. If you're not sure how you should be acting, look at how Jesus acted. Even Jesus, who is our perfect example, came to serve. He wasn't, he wasn't a ruler. He wasn't focused on himself. He came to serve others. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it should probably be good enough for us, too. And then, we are called to serve others, and it's really hard to serve others if you're trying to serve yourself first. Um, Like I said, I'm a server over at Famous Dave's, and so my job is literally to serve. It's my job to make sure that I get tables, whatever they want, I get their food, I get their drinks. When they mess up, I have to say that it's my fault, even though it's usually not. And so, from that perspective, I can can really understand what it's like to do this. And I know we've all probably had opportunities where we have put ourselves aside and we have put others first to serve them. And that's what we're called to do. That is our job as Christians. And if we're putting ourselves first, we can't do that. Let's go ahead and flip over to Genesis, and we'll be in chapter 39. I'll be reading Genesis 39, 2 through 6. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had, and Joseph was in charge. But he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph's entire story is so fascinating to me, because Joseph was such a servant. It would be so easy for Joseph to complain about how he had been treated. I mean, his own brothers gave him away. They were going to kill him, except one of them was nice enough to only sell him as a slave. That's, that'd be pretty rough. And if I was in that situation, it would be really easy to think about myself first. To say, hey, I really got the short end of the stick here. I'm going to try to watch out for myself. But here in verse 45, it says, Joseph, um, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Is he put everyone first, even the people that were his masters, he put them first and served them. And because of this, this servant heart, this servant attitude, Joseph prospered because of that. Still, and so as as we go on with this, we just need to remember that as Christians, our focus should be on God. We're not going to get anywhere if we think of ourselves first. But by putting others first, by having that servant heart, uh, we're we're more able to further the kingdom. We're more able to help those in need. When we compare this with the world, um the world kind of has two extremes. And I went back and forth and I said, which one do I want to say the world is? And I I couldn't make up my mind. So the world is either one or two ways, it seems to me. The world, people in the world, are sometimes either extremely lazy and spend all their time just relaxing, taking care of themselves, or they are extremely hardworking to make sure that they always take care of themselves. Um, I mean, I'm sure we all have I know at least one person that we either work with or we're friends with that is a workaholic where you ask them, hey, do you want to do something? Nope, I got to work. Nope, I got to work. Nope, I got to work. And while, while being hardworking isn't, isn't bad at all, um, we're, we're still called to, to do more than just our jobs. Um, you know, those, those people that spend every waking moment, I, I don't know, trading stocks. They spend so much time doing that that they're not, they're not able to do other things. They're just go, 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 and they don't have any time for themselves to, to focus on God. And then there's the other extreme of the people that don't do anything. Um, you know, I have, I have a couple friends that, they're, they're really good friends, I really like them, but they don't do anything. They're not going anywhere. They, they sit at home and they play video games all day, which sounds nice, but, but there is more to life than video games. Um, And that's, that's not what we're called to do either. Um, on Wednesday, we read 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, and I'm going to just reread that again real quick. It says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that, um, so that your daily life may win the respect of others and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Uh, in verse 11 there, it says, Work with your own hands. So it it sounds a little bit weird, but... One of the commands we have as Christians is that we have to, we have to work. We have to be hardworking. That doesn't mean we always have to be working. Um, one thing I like to remember, you know, as I, as I say, Jesus and God are, are pretty good examples to follow, the best examples to follow. Even God, in all his power, in all his wisdom, took a break after he created the world. On the seventh day, God rested. Um, we, go, we go through accounts of Jesus, and there are times where he, he goes off by himself in prayer and rest. Instead, there were still people in the world that needed to hear the message. There were still people in the world that, that needed healing. But Jesus took time away from that to rest, to focus on God, and to pray. And so in verse 12 here, it says um, one of the reasons that we're told to be hard work and to work with our hands is so that you will not be dependent on anyone. There are people that are not able, you know, are not able to work, are not able to do things. Either they have, um, mental, mental or physical injuries, there is, there's something going on and that they're not able to work. But for those of us that are blessed to work, that have the ability, that have all, you know, all their strength, it's, it's their job to work. And the way that I see it is, if I decided that I only want to work you know, if I do the math and I say, I only need this much money to, to barely scrape by, and as long as I work 12 hours a week, I can barely pay my rent, and I can barely buy my groceries, and the rest of the time, I'm just going to just sit on the couch and watch TV. Sure, I, I could do that, and I could take care of myself, but when I have the ability to do more, when it comes time to, to serve other people, to help those who truly are in need and can't work, I'm not doing my duty as a Christian if I say, no, I don't have enough money because then I can't pay my rent. So, so as Christians, we do need to look for those opportunities to help other people and to make sure that when that opportunity comes, we're willing and able to do so. And then um, the last scripture that I have for, for what we should be focused on is going to be in Acts 20. That's going to be 32 through 35. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can, be, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who, have sacri- who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we may help the weak, remembering the words... That, Jesus, that Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. So even, even Paul, who had, a, who had a mission, he was going around preaching the word, even Paul did what he could to make sure that he could take care of himself and his companions, so that instead of taking the money from those who really needed it, he was able to take care of himself. And we need to have that same attitude, that even... You know, if we have that opportunity to work, if we have that opportunity to take care of ourselves and then help others ahead of that, that's what we need to be doing. Um, because just as, just as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when I was a kid and my parents told me that at Christmas, I thought they were crazy because I didn't want to give presents away because getting presents was a lot cooler than not getting presents. But, but when, you, when you focus on God, when you really, truly have your heart focused on God, putting God first, it is more blessed to give than receive. And that's what we need to remember in our walk with God. And I don't even have to click, it's already up for me. The the question that I had is as Christians, what are our attitudes? Attitude, in my opinion, is everything. Attitude can make a horrible day not so bad, but your attitude can also make a great day awful, Um, So last night at work I was the closing server which means I got there at 4 o'clock and I was there till a little past 11 and I was the main main server for the night I got to tell the other servers what to do which I love telling the other servers what to do and it was a really busy night Um, if you've worked in a restaurant you know what this means if you don't I'll try to explain it but we had a a $2,000 hour night which means that In one hour, we sold $2,000 worth of food, like cooked and got it out of the window, which when you do the math, that's probably, it's over 100 meals. And then when we have a grill that's probably about the size of that table, cooking two meals a minute on a grill that size and getting it out to the restaurant is a big deal. Everyone was so busy last night. Everyone was running around. And there were so many people that were in a bad mood. That were whining about, oh man, I got two tables at the same time. How am I going to get drinks for six people instead of three? There were people that were just complaining left and right and in bad moods. And it it was ridiculous. And they had the worst times because when they were in a bad mood, they were making mistakes. They were, you know, not on top of things. But me, I said, I always have the mentality, going into anything, but especially going into work. I'm going to have a good night tonight, no matter what happens. And the way that your attitude is can really turn things around. And by having good attitudes, you're able to make bad situations good for you. And you can look for those opportunities. Go ahead and turn over to Philippians 2.14. And Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning. I don't know about you guys, but I love complaining. It's so much fun. Um, And especially with, with me and my friends, when all my engineering friends, it almost seems like a competition to see who can have the most stuff to do. So we all have a couple different classes, and we always sit down and say, hey, you know, how's your week going? And it's like, oh, man, I got a project due Tuesday. I got a test on Wednesday and a test on Friday. I have homework on Thursday that I haven't even started. And I have to work five hours every night. And it seems like a competition to see who can be the busiest and who can have the worst schedule and who's going to have the worst week. It's weird, but that's just... Engineers are weird, okay? And we like to complain, and it seems like the worse that we have it, the better we feel about ourselves. Um, You know, it it seems a competition. You try to one-up people. Well, oh, you know, I had to work for... For eight hours last night. Oh, yeah, I had to work for ten. It's, it's a competition, and it's, it's weird. I don't know why we act like that, but we, we like to complain. However, we're told, do all things without grumbling or questioning. So instead of focusing on these, these bad things, instead of trying to see who has the, the worst schedule or the worst week, we need to instead look at our blessings. Instead of saying, I have a really wh- rough week, um, Instead of that, I should be saying, you know what, I'm really blessed because when I have to work all night and then I have to do homework all the next day, I have an amazing wife that does the dishes for me or that, that will run an errand for me, pick up groceries when I forget to do that. Um, instead of saying, you know, hey, we had this extra expense this week, it's going to be a, a little bit tough to get rent. We're going to have to cut back and go to ramen this month we should be saying, I'm really glad that I live in a house. I'm glad that I have a roof over my head. I'm glad that I have a car and I didn't have to walk here from Bozeman this morning. We need to look at our blessings instead of looking at the negative things in our life. Because that's what the world does. And we need to be apart from that. Additionally, we're called to forgive people. And this is, the rest of this is how our attitude is towards other people. And again, this, this one especially, I want to re- remind you, I'm not saying that Christians are always this way, because looking at my list right now, it sounds like Christians are perfect people that we automatically forgive, we never judge people, and we always love and show compassion for each other. But we all know that's not true. We all have times that 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 doesn't happen. Uh, If we read Colossians 3, 12 through 14... Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, when I was pretty young, I mean, first or second grade, my teachers always had posters of of words and they were they were assigned like money value. So there's your nickel words that are like nice, hot, you know, like like those short words. And then as as the money as the the money value increases, you get all the way up to the dollar words. And the dollar words are the really good words that are that sound really smart. That are you're intelligent for using. So intelligent is a dollar word while smart is like a nickel word. That's an example for you. And this passage here, it has a lot of dollar words. Um, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Those are, those are good words. Those are words that sound good. If, if someone uses those words to describe you, that's a good thing to hear. And then verse 13 says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. Um, this morning in the, the team class we also talked about forgiveness and we all took turns going through the Bible and trying to find verses about forgiveness and giving advice on why you should forgive people. And forgiveness is is so important, and the, the main thing that everyone tried to get at is as Christians, we have been forgiven of so much. When when we get baptized, when we go into that water, Jesus takes all our sins on the cross for us. Our sins from the past, our present, and our future. He takes all those sins from us. And that is amazing. And just as Jesus forgave us, we need to remember to forgive other people. Uh, Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do whatever is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but be overcome with good. Our attitude is... It means so much. And just as our attitude can change how our day is, our attitude can change our spiritual life. If we try to fill fill our minds, fill our fill our emotions with with these things that we've listed, with love and compassion, instead of filling it with, with hate, anger, rage, it's it's amazing how how well our day will turn out. And and lastly, how do we spend our resources? The, the mindset that we should have about our resources is that our resources belong to God. What we have from God, it, it all comes from God. It's such a blessing, what we have from God, instead of the world where it belongs to me. Again, as a server, talking about money comes so naturally for us because my job, I, I get paid barely anything from the famous days itself. What I, what I do is I get paid based on tips is where I get most of my income. And so for me and all the servers, it's it's all about, you know, how much money did that table give you? Hey, I had to get seven sides of butter for that table. Don't worry though, they tip me well. Or there's the other time where I had to go back to the kitchen seven times to say, hey, you know, they think that their burger is overcooked. Hey, they don't like this cheese, hey, they don't like this. And then they stiff me, and that just is a terrible feeling. And so so where our, what we do with our blessings really shows where our heart is. How we spend our talents, the things that we're blessed with, really really shows who we put first. If we use our talents to help others and to spread the word, it's, it's pretty apparent that, that we really care about God. But if we use those talents to glorify ourselves and just say, hey, look at me, I can do this thing really well, we're not putting God first. How we spend our time, if we, you know, I, I, I can say that everyone here is spending their time well because they're here at church. However, how, how we spend our time can really vary because a lot of times we just want to rest, we want to put ourselves first. But by, by doing those things up there, by, by spending our time fellowshipping, worship, and serving others, we can, again, we can put God first. And then, and then lastly, what we do with our money shows where our heart is. Um, I like to watch a lot of like crime shows, and so the first thing that they do almost every time is they say, hey, let's get this, this person's bank records, let's see what they're doing. Because what we spend our money on shows what we care about. If, like, you know, let's say someone took my credit card, and if they looked at my credit card, and you guys said, wow, Eli spends $100 a week on pizza. But then when the communion tray comes around, if I dig in my pockets, then I'm like, oh, found a nickel, there you go. I would have a problem with that. I would have a problem if I did that. And so and so, what we do with our money really shows where our hearts are. It's not It's not a direct correlation. It's not like if you give $1 to God, you're not good. If you give $100 to God, you're good. You're in good shape. There's, there's no correlation like that. But what we do with all our blessings really shows where our hearts are. And so as we finish up today, I just thought of a, a couple things that I would recommend. This comes from the engineering side of me. Um, there's an engineering process where the first thing you do is identify a problem, then you brainstorm possible solutions, you research them, and it's this whole thing. And so what I have here is, is kind of the start of the engineering process for Christians. And the first thing that we need to do as Christians is we need to identify our strengths and especially our weaknesses. Because if you don't, if you don't know what your problem is, it's really hard to fix. Um, I, don't, I don't have a problem, like, I'll give you an example. I don't have a problem with stealing. So I don't need to spend time in prayer saying, oh, Okay, God, please help me not walk into that store and take a candy bar. However, I have a problem with holding on to things and forgiving people. So, for me, that's what I need to spend my time working on. For me to be a good Christian, I need to make sure that I'm forgiving people, that I'm letting things go, and that I'm giving that to God. The second thing, I just called it research because I didn't have a good way to type it up there and explain it in one sentence. But once we know what we need to work on, we really have to start figuring out how to fix that. And the best way to do that, you have your Bible. As I said, the Bible is always a good answer. Go ahead and look through your Bible. Try to look up verses that talk about what you're struggling with. Try to find verses that will encourage and comfort you. Talk to, talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a lot of smart people that go to this church. And there's a lot of smart people that, that follow God and will love to give you advice on, on what you're dealing with. And then lastly, you can pray about it. You can always pray about anything and that's always such a good thing to do that if if you have something you really need to work on, just go to God in prayer. Give it to God. And then lastly, set specific things that you want to work on. Instead of just saying, I want to be a better Christian. that's, That's way too wide. Instead say, this week, I want to try not to hold grudges against people. This week, I don't want to get angry about something. Um, and maybe stealing is a problem. Maybe you say, this week, I don't want to steal any candy bars. But try to think of something that you can do. Look through the Bible, reflect, and, and really try to think about what you can do to be a better Christian, what you can do to serve God better and to put God first. Um, at, at this time, if there's any, anyone out there who would like prayers of the church or has any questions about what God has called for them. Um, You can come forward as we stand and sing. There will be elders up here, and then there's also going to be elders in the back. You uh, can go ahead and talk to them while we stand and sing.